Welcome to Fresh Takes on the Future of Work. We are focused on fresh perspectives from business and HR leaders about the future of work. Fresh is an acronym for freedom, resourcefulness, empathy, simplicity, and happiness. Values core to operating in the future of work. We'll tie back to these while exploring interesting stories and actionable ideas. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jess Pagoni, co-founder and CEO of Luna. We are the comprehensive solution for flexible work arrangements designed to meet employees where they are now and in the future. Through intelligent software and expert consulting, we enable managers and their companies to offer flexibility focused on where and how people work, how people learn and grow, and benefit and perk utilization. Our guest today is Lori Sussel Banani. Lori is the founder of Elsis, a multidisciplined communications consultancy. Lori builds and grows companies' reputations, thereby increasing awareness, business results, and credibility. Think of her as a non traditional publicist for fast growing, high impact, VC backed startups. Lori, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Before we dive in, can you tell us a little bit more about what being a non-traditional publicist means? I love the term, but I, I'm you. curious now. I need to know more. Thank you. So publicist is traditionally associated with, you know, getting media, media coverage and, and promoting solely in that space. And I call myself a non-traditional publicist because I use different tools like marketing and communications and external communications and dealing with crises and all of those things help your company get publicity in different ways. And so I like the word non-traditional and publicist and there it came. Wonderful. Well, I'm looking forward to getting your take on the future of work in today's show. So as a reminder to everyone, we do ask all of our guests the same five questions about the future of work. And so Lori, we're, we're looking forward to your answers today. Are you ready to dive in? I am. Okay. It is time to get fresh. So Lori, our first question is how do you define the future of work? So there is a cartoon that was going around not too long ago with a couple of people in an office, a high rise building in an office. And there was a, they were saying something like, we don't need, we're good with the status quo. And outside there was a wrecking ball with COVID and it was heading towards the building. And so I think that being able to adjust to an ever-changing reality is the epitome of whatever the future of work will look like. I think we are reinventing work every day, especially during this pandemic. What work looked like in March of 2020 looks different than the end of the year in 2021. And I think the future of work is going to be flexible. It's going to be rolling with the punches. It's going to be ever evolving. And like my dad always says, expect the unexpected. And I think that really encapsulates what the future of work will look like. I think it will be ever-changing based on people's needs and there will be unexpected things that pop up. And so being able to roll with that disruption is, is really, I think, the future of work. Expect the unexpected. I think truer words could could not be spoken for the last two years, certainly. And and I think that makes a lot of sense for how we need to approach the the years ahead and, and the future of work overall. 
So if I give you a magic wand and you can personally change one thing about work life today, what, what do you do? How do you wave that wand? What happens and what would you change? So I was thinking about this quite a bit and I think there's different cultures that live to work or those that work to live. And I think finding a happy medium would be, I don't know that either way is the best way. And a friend of mine, Therese Guetta, she has coined the term work-life integration, which I really like. But I think with that integration comes diversity. It comes support for working parents. There's a focus on diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, and accessibility. Dictionary.com recently named allyship as the word of the year. And I think that that would be something that would feel, wave that magic wand and, and know that people have allies at work would be something that I think is whether it is in the DEIBA space or just having more empathy, I think that having that allyship is something that would be my magic wand. That's really powerful to think about that the workplace as a space for allies to form. And, and I don't know that I've heard it worded in quite that way before, but I appreciate it deeply when you when you share it and and I think that, that that's a really insightful way to reflect on and I like that that's your magic wand so you know reflecting on where this is all going but when you have allyship you know you're not alone you know you have support and community around you to stand with you and define what you need and how you need it which I find to be core to humanity, uh, you know, beyond anything else. So, so it really beautifully said, I like that. Thank you. You might've tipped us off a bit on this one because you mentioned the word empathy, but as you think about fresh takes and, you know, the, the words in fresh are freedom, resourcefulness, empathy, simplicity, and happiness, which area do you see as most pressing right now? And maybe critical to that employer-employee dynamic as we go forward? So first of all, I told you earlier that I absolutely love this acronym. I think each of those parts are so important and they all make so much sense as a whole. And I love that that is your own guideline, right? I did tip you off to empathy and I think people have been vulnerable. I think I see it a lot on LinkedIn. I hear it on podcasts. People have definitely been a lot more vulnerable in the last two years than I think in prior years or even when I worked in corporate. But I also think on this scale, like I said, I think all the pieces together are really important, but I think the happiness piece, you have a pandemic that has impacted everyone. And so you really don't know how people are affected. Is somebody sick? Are they dealing with long COVID? You know, has their family life? Are there, is there a situation? Is there, you know, a childcare, you know, problems or a lack of availability? I think anybody going through things, you know, have been able to be a lot more vulnerable. I see that a lot on LinkedIn. And so I just think that happiness piece is pressing. I think when this fog lifts, you know, eventually it feels like that happiness should be prioritized beyond anything because it just feels 
it just feels like it needs to be. But like I said, I think the the pieces with the resourcefulness, I think we've all been resourceful. I mentioned the empathy earlier, but simplicity, right? Like everything doesn't always need to just be like a cluster or why does everything have to be so difficult? Or you had mentioned earlier about like having to apply for, you know, professional development. Like why does this process need to be such a mess? Why can't these things just be easy? But I do think for the employer-employee dynamic, that happiness piece is just like, I just see like this fog lifting and, and there's just going to be joy when I, I think that this fog will lift and there's some element of relief and joy and happiness and people even with this great resignation are making sure, you know, um, I'd spend too much time at work to be unhappy. Yeah. I, um, I certainly hope so. I hope joy is the emotion that we all feel once once we, we feel like we can put the pandemic behind us, but certainly in general that that the when that fog lifts, there will be some companies likely that emerge with happier employees than other companies. And, and so prioritizing it now will help with when when that time does come and people are through the haze saying, yeah, I am happy. I'm happy in, with the work I'm doing. I feel connected to the purpose. I'm happy with the company that I work for, and I'm happy with with my work-life integration, to use your words earlier. I'm curious, in your work around publicity for companies, and even I think you, you dabble as well in internal communications within companies, what are you seeing? Are you seeing any words or language that's becoming more standard. You mentioned vulnerability earlier. I'm just curious if you're seeing trends in the way companies are changing their communication strategies or not. I mean, I think both would be really interesting to hear. Yeah. And my experience is just a small snapshot, but I think treating employees like adults, like not having such restrictions and, you know, mandates about around things like, oh, take the time you need, or, oh yeah, if you need to take your kid to the doctor or anything like that, it feels, it feels like a little more accommodating. I think that's sort of the the vibe that I've gotten. And of course there's the companies that are not. So yeah, I think that's going to get that, that will play a role, you know, as the fog lifts, as we said. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And accommodating is good. I think maybe based on some of the other things I've seen uh, over the last 24 months or so is that there's this acknowledgement that we're, that we're human, that we're people and not this, these like hamsters on the wheel or robots or cookie cutters use the, the term you'd like, but I, I think it's, it's great to know that you are seeing some more flexibility and accommodation in the communications overall. Yeah. And I think there have been some companies that have been slow to embrace remote work that are able to do that. But I think, you know, with people, some shifts of moving, people moved home or moved, you know, out of bigger cities. I think, you know, having that idea when I first started my business and I was tempted to go back to a couple of full-time jobs and early on, it was like, well, if I can't work where I want to work, like that that's just a deal breaker. And so I think that has obviously changed significantly. More more and more people are saying the very same thing. Yes, absolutely. So when you reflect on leadership and managers, 
within within organizations and 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 just the the ones really coaching and grooming the next wave of leaders how do you think they can best navigate the months ahead based on on what you see and and your collective experiences in your career i think that being understanding of constraints right so if people are not comfortable going back to an office or if people are you know introverted and and really thrived at their time working remote i think these norms have really been disrupted and being a manager that understands that and maybe the person that you managed a couple of years ago, what their preferences were then are not their preferences now. But I think finding out what drives people today and not two years ago and making sure that that kind of work goes to those people, you know, what direction are they going? You know, where do they want to work remote? Do they want to be in an office what does that look like? If your company doesn't go back and everybody is still sort of local, can you meet for coffee or cocktails or something to have that sort of team? Because we're all staring at screens, right? Like it's kind of nice when you- All day long. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of nice to have that like, you know, in person or phone call, like, even if it's not local, like, can you just hop on a phone or do, you know, I've done a lot of like walking meetings and, or just general catch-ups, like, how are you really doing? And I think being able to navigate that is one of the trickiest things because everybody's changed, right? There, you, you change anyway, and this has been, you know, two years, but I think people have prioritized things differently, or maybe people have done courses online and their interests have changed within the company and just making sure that the right team is in place for what you need. And if not, you know, supporting them to either move internally or I've had incredible bosses through my career. And at one of the companies I worked at, like there wasn't really anywhere else for me to go in the company unless I wanted to manage an account, which I didn't. I loved, I, I was at DDB, I was a new business and I loved, you know, working on like to tires to toilet paper and pharma to financial. And I loved that every day was totally different. And I didn't want to be on one account all the time. And um, my boss wasn't going anywhere and and she knew that I was sort of like, what do I do now? And she was like, I think you need to leave. Like, and she was super supportive and it wasn't weird to, you know, change into a suit in the agency and like go in on an interview, which was crazy to me that it was, <laughs> you know, I, in previous jobs, I had to like change in a Starbucks bathroom or something or <laughs> find a friend's office that was nearby. Hide on the uh, way to the interview. Yeah. <laughs> And so I just think that, you know, that is a manager who recognized that I sort of had hit a wall. And, you know, I think if I hadn't had the kick from her, I may have stayed in that role a little longer and it was time to go. And so I think, you know, good managers know that and good managers, you know, support their teams. And while, of course, somebody leaving your team is going to leave a gap and might add some chaos for a little while, I think like you said, we're all human, like doing the best for other people. And I think managers, you know, that are leading people really need to, to kind of take that into account that, you know, are your people happy? Are they enjoying the work you're doing? And if not on your team, maybe somebody else's team. Yeah. I, I think you just said it, it all comes back to your happiness comment mm -hmm. from earlier about if managers can really prioritize the happiness of the individual people on their team, kind of getting to that individualized level, 
we call it personalization at Luna, but you can call it, you know, customization, individualization, whatever the word is, kind of getting down to that. What what does that person need? What what are they looking to do and accomplish in their career? And also what support do they need in life can be a really beneficial and productive mode of, of leadership. So you've been consistent in your happiness thread throughout <laughs> throughout the show today. I love it. So, so my last question for you is around a company you admire for their fresh take. If you had to name one, who who would it be and, and why? So I have two, but the first one would be Gravity Payments and Dan Price. He is the CEO who made minimum wage for everyone, $70,000. Yes, and that is so impressive. Yeah. So impressive. And, um, you know, I, I just think even the the things that he does for his employees and how it came out, like he started that because he was, you know, he, an employee was upset and said, I can't believe I have to work two jobs to like, you know, pay my bills. And he was like, wait a second, what kind of workplace am I building if people need other jobs? And yeah. I just thought that was so impressive. And and I think he just really speaks about humanity and, and happiness. And then the other person is Heidi Zach at Third Love. You know, she's really, she's a CEO. Um, it's a women's lifestyle brand, does a lot of donations and mentorship programs. And I think she has exhibited a lot of vulnerability. One of my favorite stories I read, there was a customer, um, I think her name was Hope, and she was a woman in her 50s. And she had sent a picture of her in a third love bra and said, You know, I'm 50, I feel comfortable in my body, but when I look at your ads, I only see 20 something women and I just don't see myself. And so this went around the company and um, they invited her to actually be the first model in their new campaign. Yes. That's incredible. I love that. So really listening to your customer and, and really like putting your money where your mouth is and not just like going and hiring models, but like this woman who simply sent an email and, and said, you know, I don't see me represented in your, in your advertising. Those are both fresh takes. So thank you for sharing. Uh, I hadn't heard the third love story before, and I'll have to go spend some more time investigating their approaches in general. But I always enjoy hearing hearing the suggestions from from guests on the show because they're they're all so so unique and so wonderful. And I think it amplifies the fact that like there are a lot of great companies out there that are trying to find the way forward in the future of work and and really, really think about how to do things differently and not just follow that status quo. So thank you for sharing about gravity payments and third love. You're welcome. And thank you, Lori, so much for being on the show today. That brings us to the end of our five questions. And it's been a delight to to talk with you and, and hear your perspective. So, so thank you so much for sharing. Likewise, thank you for having me. Lori, if we wanted, um, or if anyone listening wants to find you, what's the best way for them to, to connect with you? Sure, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can send me a note and tell me that you heard me here. You can also follow my company, Elsus, E-L-S-S-U-S, on LinkedIn. I share a lot of information about communicating effectively. And you can also visit my website, which is elsus.com. Awesome. All right, we'll have to check it out. And I'll include those details in our show notes as well. So thank you everyone for listening in today. Thank you again, Lori, for being here. And don't forget to stay fresh.